When it comes to retirement savings, most of us are either using a 401k or some form of an IRA. So in today's podcast, we're going to talk about tips and things to avoid when it comes to saving within the IRA. We're untangling financial issues. Welcome to Your Finances Untangled with Mo Parag. Hopefully you can tell from this conversation that I am I, I take things very seriously, but I'm laid back. Mo is a financial advisor and partner with Cloudvestor. You may want to do some reallocations based off how you're currently invested. This podcast addresses financial issues for all ages, from those just starting out up to retirees. It's Your Finances Untangled. Untangling your finances. Welcome. It's Your Finances Untangled, the podcast devoted to you and your financial life. And I'll tell you this, Mo Param and the team at Cloud Vesters are devoted to their clients, their clients' financial lives throughout with the right strategies throughout their lives, heading up to retirement and into retirement. Cloudvestors.com, a fiduciary firm recommended nationally by Dave Ramsey, Mo Param. And you are, you're on again. On I'm here. Fire. Mo I'm Money Param. Backed by popular demand. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we need some uh, uh, crowd applause sound effects. <laughs> you know, uh, we're looking at the IRA today. Yes. And I know we're going we're gonna to cover right moves and wrong moves with your IRA and, and how to contribute to that and have it part of your, um, well, I portfolio, I guess you would say, or savings vehicle throughout mm-hmm. your life. And, of course, we're going to cover traditional and Roth and break all that down and, and good strategies and, stra- and, and strategies to avoid. So right when you, when you contribute to a Roth, if you open a Roth, there are limits in what you can put in it. Yes. I mean, not are, a Roth, an IRA. I'm sorry. Just a regular well, both. IRA. Both. Well, both right, actually, right. Yeah. Both. Yeah. yeah. It's actually the same limits. So for a IRA or a Roth IRA, the maximum contribution you can make is $6,000 if you're on $6,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're under the age of 50 and if you're 50 or over, you can increase it by another thousand. So you can max it out at a thousand. Why so no, sorry, little? You can max it out at 7,000. Seven. Well, yeah. Why, why, why so little? I mean, it seems so random and, and a, a little low. It is. It is. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure why they've, they've limited to such a small number. Um, and actually the, the contribution limits increase every few years or so. Right. So when I started in the industry, I think it was like 5,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's increased by a thousand you know, over the last, Ooh, I started uh, 2004, 2005. So it's been, you know, slow, That's slow increases slow. since then. Yeah. yeah really so I'm is. not sure exactly why, why they do that. Um, but yeah, 6,000 to 7,000 is the, the max you can put. And one of the big confusions that some people have is they think that they can do 6,000 in both. Right. right? Roth and well, I'll put 6,000 in my Roth, put 6,000 in my, in my traditional, but no, it's an actually an aggregate amount. So in a calendar year, you can put 6,000 between the Roth and the traditional, you can break it down three and three, four and two, six and five and one, however you want to do it. But 6,000 is the most, 
or or, or seven thousand if you're over fifty. Over fifty, and it's also too. It's pretty cool if you're doing the traditional because there are, there are advantages to both tax wise. But in the traditional, you're getting that tax advantage now and mm-hmm. um, later you'll pay. But as far as now in tax year, you actually can carry it over to the next year as long as you take it right up to tax deadline day. Is that a good idea to wait that long or does it matter? Um, you know, it's on an on an investment side, right? You, if you waited all the way through um, tax deadline, right, October, April of the following year, well, you know, what happens if the year before was a really great year in the market, right? So you, you may miss out on some of those, of that growth. True. But there are, there are some reasons, right? Because there are some income qualifications to that you need to make sure that you reach or that you meet before you um, before you're able to contribute to a Roth or a traditional. So if you make a certain amount of money, uh, you can't contribute to a Roth. Uh, and if, and as well as you can still cr- contribute to the traditional, but you may not be able to make the deduction, right? So it becomes like a non-deductible IRA. Okay. So depending on how your income works, right? You may want to wait until the end of the year, right? Maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe your compensation, you get a, a big fat bonus at the end of the year, but it's based off production for the year. So you may not know, or you may be flirting around, uh, uh, around the lines of not being able to contribute. So maybe just waiting until at least, you know, what your W2 income is or what your net income is, uh, well, your modified adjusted gross income really for that calendar year. Mm-hmm. Once you know that you, that you qualify, then you can make the contributions. So there are some reasons why tactically, why you would want to wait until um, uh, the following year to make the contribution. Right. I could see but, that. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, most people are just doing something systematically, right? They're, if they're looking at the five, $6,000 contribution and maybe doing like 500 bucks a month, right. And just consistently doing it. Right. And yeah. And, and you know, so yes, it, it's, it's strategic in so many ways in the traditional you can pay, so you're saying you can pay someone to do your taxes, and you can be like, "Whoa, I'm going to owe that much." So you could actually go ahead and start one then, as long as it's pre-tax deadline day. And you figure if you're going to have to put money in something, let me put it in something that'll work for me, right? And get That's the advantage there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of business owners too. They're when they're filing their taxes, they're usually getting well, not usually, but some of them are getting extensions, right? So they're even extending it all the way to October. They file their taxes and then their accountant says, all right, well, you owe 50 grand, mm-hmm. right? If you make a contribution to a traditional, it could save you this. If you make a contribution towards your SEP IRA, um, you could, you, you will be able to save this amount of taxes. And then they go ahead and make the contribution then. Okay. That's another thing too, with the SEP IRA and that's for self-employed, right? You can put way more in that. Yeah. You can put. Uh, I think 2021, you could put $58,000 a year mm-hmm. or 25% of your, of your income, whichever is lower. Okay. If right? you're so self-employed. You, yeah. So, you know, that's another, you know, yeah. So the, the Roth or traditional, you have your $7,000, basically your cap, you know, you can see your SEP, your SEP IRA, you can put like $58,000 into it. And you said, or 25%, whichever is lower. So whichever is lower, if you're not happy, if you're thinking, I'm not through contributing to the IRA and 6,000 is just not enough. You could actually pick up and 
no kidding, like a, a job with Grubhub or Uber, <laughs> then you're self-employed and then you can, can, that's a way to contribute more. It doesn't, how would that work with what you make as an Uber driver? Suppose you don't want to drive a lot. You just do it a little bit. <laughs> well, it's 25% of your income, right? So if you are working, you know, side hustles, uh, the gig, gig economy now, yeah. and let's say you make 20 grand on the side, then, you know, you could put 20 grand into a set. Okay. 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 If you wanted to put the entire amount into it. Right, right. right. Well, that's one way to do it then. Um, yeah. Now, so with the traditional IRA, you are getting the tax advantage now. Um, yes, you're taking the deductions the year you make the contribution. But if we're looking at wrong moves, I would think it, one thing it would be wrong to not consider, I don't know if it would be 50-50, but putting some in a Roth IRA. And to explain how that works with a Roth. So the Roth, you're making after-tax contributions to the Roth IRA and the the account as it grows you're not paying any taxes as it grows right so it's, it's being tax deferred but when you take the contributions out well, well when you take the uh, when you take income out of the Roth IRA assuming after 59 and a half then the entire account is tax-free right okay versus the traditional you're taking the deductions the the, you know, the year you make the contributions. And then when you retire and you pull money out of it, then the entire account is taxable to you because you've never paid taxes at all. Looking at wrong moves with an IRA or moves to avoid or, and to put a more positive spin on it, because this is what you do. You and the team yeah. at Cloudvestors, you make sure that they do uh, the best strategies for them and however they're saving and investing their money. So looking right. at an IRA, how does that work? I mean, you you put 6000 in, 7000 in. What's going on there once that money's in? Even so if it's, let's it, say, 500 a month. 500 a month. Yeah. And what you're going to do is you, you, you open up the accounts. So we would open up the accounts for you, and then we would choose. Uh, well, actually, before the accounts open, we'd talk about your investment strategy, you know, what what, what what kind of risk you're looking to take? How old you are? Get those kind of, to get those to get those factors in place. But anyway, you fund the account, and now the account is being invested. Now it can be invested in a mutual fund. It can be invested in individual stocks. It can be invested in ETFs. Um, uh, you can use some some custodians allow you to use cryptocurrency in there. I mean, like literally, it's an account where you are investing, and you're investing for you in the future. And so the difference when, we, when it comes for us, what we look at is, okay, if we know we want to open up a, an IRA so to help our clients start saving for their retirement, then we start thinking about, okay, well, which one do we want to do, right? Let, and let's leave the step aside because there's, okay. there's complications behind yeah. it. But if you're just choosing between a Roth and a traditional, you know, one of the big things is taxes. Because if you have a Roth and a traditional and you fund the exact same amount of money, Right, you you use the same exact investment at the same time frame. Call it 10, 20 years down the road, mm -hmm. you'll have the exact same amount of money. Right, right. The, the difference yeah. is one account, the Roth, all of it when you make your distribution will be tax free to you. Mm -hmm. The traditional is a question mark. Some of it will be yours, and some of it will be Uncle Sam's. So the question is, which one is better for me? And that comes to well, where do you feel like you are? Where, where do you think you're going to be tax wise in relation to where you are today? Mm -hmm. Right. If you think you're going to be in a lower tax environment in the future, 
right? So it's better to save the taxes today, defer them to later, and then pay a lower tax, right? But most people, you know, think, uh, I don't know many people who I've sat across, but who think that tax rates are going to go down in the future. No. Right? And then once you get older, right, typically your house is paid off. Uh, you can't deduct your kids, mm-hmm. right? You can't deduct the grandkids. If you have a business, maybe you've sold it. So you start to lose deductions, right? And so maybe even if you're not having any earned income, your tax, uh, your ability to make deductions start to fall off. And so maybe you're in a higher tax bracket or in the same tax bracket as you were when you were working. So, you know, we start to, we have those conversations and really we just want to see which one makes the most sense, right? If you're going to be paying a boatload of taxes right now, why why should you go ahead and pay the taxes as far as like a Roth, right? You're making those contributions after tax. It may it may be better for you just to save on the save on the taxes now, and then worry about the taxes down the road. And that makes perfect sense. Does that make and, sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. And so now, what you're saying is that um, where everyone feels like tax rates will go up, then this is a great time to look at Roth because. Then when they do go up, you're not going to be paying those higher rates. Um, although part that's just part of the equation too, as you said, your uh, what you can deduct on other parts or what your income is. And but let me ask you this: I've always heard this too. And let's just say they announced that the tax rate will always be the same. It's never going up, never going down. I've always heard either way with Roth. The question asked: Would you rather pay taxes on the seed or the or, or the harvest? The that harvest, that yep. being your gains later. So, let's say the tax rate n- never changed. Are you? Would you always be better off doing Roth and paying on the seed or the harvest? Or I, I guess that depends on the markets mm-hmm. too, because you could get you could have a summer with no rain and no harvest. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at that's it. That's true. That's true. Or, you know, it, it, it all comes down to, honestly, it all comes down to taxes, really. I yeah. mean, uh, but it does come well, to the markets, well, too, it, doesn't it? Um, because your, your gains may not be as big. Does that make a difference? But my um, point, my question was, would, would you always come out better in Roth, really, if tax rates never went down or up because you're going to have those gains throughout throughout that are tax-free? Um, you know, there's, there's some, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pros to the Roth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because again, taxes are taxes, right? So if, if tax rates aren't going up or they're staying flat, then, you know, there's nothing like having tax-free money, right? Knowing yeah. that, Hey, if I take 5,000 for my, for my Roth, I have $5,000, right? I don't have to worry about taxes. Um, and also the Roth is a good vehicle for transitioning to the next generation, right? Um, so if you have a Roth and you uh, unfortunately pass away and let's say you name your spouse or you name your child uh, as a beneficiary, well, then they will receive the IRA, and, but it's also tax-free to mm-hmm. them too, mm-hmm. right? So you can actually, it's a, it's a it's They'll a have very, to get it out in 10 years because of the SECURE Act, but it won't be taxes of it. It won't be taxed. Yeah. The traditional IRA will be taxed, uh-huh. right? So that is a on a, just an estate planning and on a strategic way, you know, the Roth does have a lot of benefits behind it. 
Well, we're looking at the, actually not just wrong moves. We're looking at what are the best moves regarding an IRA. And we're also uh, breaking down traditional and Roth IRA. And there's another thing I want to get into in a moment as far as what choice and, and control you have in IRA investing. There's a lot more to come. We're talking IRA today on the podcast, Your Finances Untangled. you enjoy the best of both worlds in your financial planning the convenience of a virtual relationship with your advisor but also maintaining the human touch that's cloud vesters that's cloudvesters.com they're an endorsed dave ramsey smart vester that's a relationship you can trust at cloud vesters you get a personal relationship with one of the team advisors who will help you build a robust investment strategy it's all about specific customized planning for your unique situation and for wherever you are in life whether you're just starting out or getting close to retirement. Holistic financial planning in all areas, including taxes, estate planning, insurance, cash flow, and budgeting. They even offer customized personal websites for clients. The technology of today while still maintaining that human touch. That's Cloudvestors. That's cloudvestors.com. Hey, we're back with your finances untangled in Mo Param with the firm Cloudvestors. Visit the website. You're going to be impressed. Cloudvestors.com. What is Cloudvestors? It's a fiduciary firm that helps people throughout their financial life. I mean, the, the life of their financial strategies. And that's from when you, it can be from when you first start working, you know, first start that career all the way into and through retirement. You get the, the, the convenience of virtual financial planning with the human touch. Mo Param is here on the podcast as he is every week. Consumer Advocate Dave Perkins here. We're looking at the IRA and we're looking at moves to avoid. We're looking at what are the best strategies with your IRA investments. We're looking at should you go traditional, should you go Roth, or should you have a blend of both? I was looking at two. Um, I was thinking about this when you we were just doing the the basics on what happens when you put money in an IRA. How much control do you have at that moment? Because where where I was going to ask you, where I was going with it was the self-directed IRA, if you could explain that. But before we get to that, when you just go IRA, do you have any control on what's it, what it's investing in? Oh, you have you have complete control on how it's invested because now you can you can pick and choose how you want to invest, where you want to invest, what to invest in. So, unlike a 401k where you're limited to just the options, right? That's within your plan. The the IRA is it's you know, it's almost like it's almost like an open architecture, right? So you could have you can say said, mutual funds, ETFs. You can have uh, stocks. You can buy your Apple, your Google, your Netflix. You can go into the Nasdaq. You can go and buy an S and P five hundred index. I mean, you can you can you pretty much have full control on how you want to invest. Now you now you you, you want to have a like any investment account. You want to have a plan, right? You want to have a strategic yeah. plan on how you're going to invest. But there are you know there are things that probably don't make a lot of sense to have in a in a IRA, like a municipal bond, for instance. You know, a municipal bond, you're not there first of all, municipal bonds, generally speaking, have lower yields, right? They don't they don't pay as much mm -hmm. as like other other types of bonds. So and because most municipal bonds are 
federally tax-free and most times, you know, depending on what kind of music, what kind of bond you bought, you're probably buying a bond within your state. So you're probably saving on state taxes. So you're sheltering taxes inside of a, inside of an IRA that down the road, you're going to be paying taxes on down. You're going to be paying taxes when you make those distributions. So municipal bonds probably aren't one of the ideal investment choices. So you can say when you invest, like if they or you're helping someone, they can say, I don't want that. Yeah. And they can actually say that. Yeah. Yeah. Because what what we want to do is even though we have a good investment strategy, right? At the end of the day, it's the client's plan, right? It's the client's money. So I might see a good opportunity for a client to be in, you know, a basket of, you know, some good growth stocks, right? Mm -hmm. Stocks that are uh, large cap, good dividend um, uh, history, great performance historically, but they're individual stocks, right? And a client may say, you know what? I don't really feel comfortable um, investing in stocks. I, I I like the 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 spreading out my risk in ETFs or mutual funds. That's fine. Are are right. there people who do this, who play this kind of like there are people who, if they play the Powerball, some people like to pick their own numbers and some people just let the computer pick. I mean, do you have some people that's like, I don't know this, just whatever. Have a blend <laughs> of it. You know that sound effect on game shows when the computer would jumble things? Just let that happen. I mean, I mean or does it even work like that? Or what they tell you? I don't know this. You know this. You're going to work on my behalf. I know you're fiduciary. Make it happen. Yeah. Well, clients are giving us the, the privilege and honor to invest on their behalf. So as much of the conversation we have to, to get a good sense of what their uh, risk tolerance is, right? Because I can do a plan and I can tell you, Dave, this is based on the goals that you want to accomplish. This is the type of risk that you should take. Mm-hmm. But you have to tell me the type of risk you can take, meaning that, yes, if to get to where you want to be, uh, we need to take this risk and probably you know, try to shoot for a 12% return, right? And I can show you historically, okay, if we get a 12% return, this is the type of risk, this is the type of volatility that you might expect, right? You may see some role, you know, those those line charts, if you look at a uh, Yahoo Finance, something like that. You know, you see your account go up and you may see your account go down based on volatility. That kind of ride may not be you may not be able to stomach that kind of ride. Yeah. Right. right. So you so even though I can tell you, yes, if we get a twelve percent return, you're gonna get to where you need to be, but it may inherently involve this type of risk. You can come back to me and say, you know what? At least for now, I'm just not in the space mentally, emotionally to, to ride that ride. You know, we have clients that are coming off of, you know, that came out of 2008 where they saw the market, you know, basically collapse, mm-hmm. right? And they lost 30, 40% of their, of their assets. And then come around COVID few, you know, what, 12 years later. Yeah. And then see, you know, intramonth the S and P dropped 30%. So they're saying to themselves, you know what? I can't take that. I know how it felt in 08. I know how it felt last year. I want to take less risk and that's fine. You can control right? that's why that. planning is a living well. and breathing thing, right? Maybe it's getting more comfortable with investing. Maybe it's the season of life you're in, right? But clients essentially would give us the privilege to invest on their behalf. So once I identify what their ability to absorb risk is, then we make the investment uh, decisions for them. 
I noticed you said the season of life you're in. What, what, what's the uh, proper way today to refer to someone old? Because it used to be senior citizen, but I don't even know if that's right now. What, uh, I've heard elder. I don't um, like that either. You know what I don't like? And you know how you know you're old? What? Is when someone's giving your, giving your age and they don't say, like when you're 10. Uh, yeah, my son's 10 years old. You say he's 10 years old. When they start replacing that old with young, it means you're old. Oh, yeah. Bless her heart. She's 91 years young. I do that. (laughs) (laughs) But that means you're old. Uh, I do that sometimes. And when they say you're 10 years old, it means you're young. But when they say she's 91 years young, she's old. She's old. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I, I do that. I'm going to stop doing that from now on. Maybe, maybe it's turning some people off a little bit. Well, you know, it's been, you know, it's been used a lot. And, and to me, let's say I'm 91 and, you know, they're saying he is 91 years young. I'd be like, yeah, whipper snapper. I'm not young. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I've noticed that. Anyway, where are we going? Oh yeah, I was going to ask you about because you mentioned control with the IRA. Right. So what's a self-directed IRA? So self-directed IRA, um, it's 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 what it sounds like, right? Self, you are directing how the investment choices are held in the IRA. Right, but the different, the main difference is that the self, self, the, the true self-directed IRA allows you to put some alternative investments inside there. So there's some, there's some custodians. These are the ones who actually hold your, that actually hold your investment accounts, right? Like a Fidelity, Vanguard, Charles Schwab. You know, these are the, these are the, the carriers, uh, the custodians that have the accounts. But there's some custodians that will allow you to have, uh, to invest in like. Uh, your business, right? And you could put your business, kind of your fund your business through your IRA. You can put, you can invest in billboards. You can invest in art. You can invest in uh, real estate, like actual hard real estate mm-hmm. and, and kind of wrap that into your IRA. So what, there's, a, there's, a, yeah. there's only a handful of custodians that will allow you to do that. I mean, who's that good for? That's somebody that's really up on it, like in the know, wouldn't it be? Yeah, you know, I, I'd say someone who who's looking for some some really good diversification inside their plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they've looked at their 401k and they say, okay, I've, I've, you know, I've tapped that out. Or they're looking at, you know, they have investments in a brokerage account. So they, they, they didn't know how the stock market works. But also they have, you know, they have interest in, in these quote-unquote alternative investing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say someone, I, I would say it's really for someone who has a, um, my opinion is someone who has a really good sense and experience of investing um, because it can be a little complicated when I it comes think. to what you can yeah. actually put inside the uh, inside the IRA. I mean, you can put like baseball, you can invest like in baseball cards. Oh my gosh. And stamps, right. And artwork and antiques. Wow. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, that I, really is a true broad base of, okay, we can be really creative on how we invest. Man, I don't know about baseball cards. Uh. <laughs> you know, if someone kept a scorecard 
on mm. 401k and IRA as far as how each one performed? Who wins? No, oh, you know, that's a good question because some people think that, okay, if I have a 401k, you know, I should be getting this type of return or an IRA. It's just an account, mm-hmm. right? It literally is just an account. And all it is, isn't it? It's the 401k is a tax code, right? So when the, IR, so when the, when you're, when the IRS is looking to figure out how to tax you, right? Cause they're always trying to figure out how to tax you. Well, they look at your account, it's called a 401k. So they know that, okay, everything you've put inside this 401k, we're going to reduce your income by your contribution. Mm-hmm. And then we know down the road, whenever you're going to take in, take any distributions from this account, we're going to tax you. Right. IRA, same thing, right? Roth, if they see Roth in any of those accounts and they know that, okay, you've made contributions after tax. And then when you make distributions, you know, depending on 59 and a half and some other, some other rules, um, we, we're not going to be able to get any of this money out. We're not going to be able to tax you on this. So there is no, excuse me, there is no inherent, you know, rate of return, whether you choose a Roth or whether you choose a traditional okay. IRA or whether it's whether you use a 401k, whether you use an IRA. But as I'd far as probably gains, more to com- I mean, you know, um, strategy. I'd say the compounding factor is yeah. the IRA, the 401k, inherently you can put more money into it. That's right? true. So, so yeah, so it's you, apples you, and oranges then. It's almost apples and oranges, right? If you're just looking at straight return, it's kind of difficult, right? But, you know, for someone who has the ability to max fund a Roth, uh, sorry, a 401k at 19.5, and then once they turn 50, they can put 26 grand in there. And they've been doing it consistently for 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. right? All that compounding over time. I mean, you could have a million dollars compounding at 8%, yeah. 9%. I and mean, that's huge sure. versus having, you know, $200,000 compounding. Yeah, you, know, you can't compare the two. It'd be like if, yeah. if um, a NFL team played a, a high school football team. Right. In the a game's way. the same, but it's it's a completely different game. That's true. Very good point. Right. So, but, uh, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. 401ks, though, however, the 401ks do have, um, I would say they're in some areas limited, right? Your typical 401k might only have 20 right? Maybe 25 different investment choices. Nowadays, we're seeing those littered with a bunch of target date funds. It's like they right? handicap it a little bit to make it an, they, more of an even race. <laughs> they make it an easy race. You know, companies have some form of fiduciary responsibility to make sure that the that the investment choices are, you know, good, quote unquote, good investments, yeah. right? So what better way to do that than just say, okay, we're going to put some target date funds inside there, we're going to add maybe one guarantee, two guarantee funds, some bond funds, and leave it at that, right? So that way, you know, Tom, who's been in the company for 20 years, invested same amount and has, you know, a million dollars in his 401k, but Charlie has, you know, half of that. And it's just because, you know, they didn't want any conflict, right? So, because one of them may have made some really good investment choices throughout the time frame, maybe changing allocations depending on market risk and one that just kind of stayed the course, right? So companies are, are really looking at, okay, we have a fiduciary responsibility. So let's just make it simple, right? Let's not, make, let's, let's not get too creative. We'll just litter these with a, you know, 10, 12 different target date funds. Yeah. I was kind of wondering on that because 
would you end up without the help of someone like you who really knows what he's doing? Would you end up better that way with limited choice? You know, if someone said it and forget it, you know, yeah. there, there is some pros to the, to the, to the target date funds. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily immediately gravitate towards them or have my clients gravitate towards them. But for someone who is just list, who just says, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to work with an advisor. I just want to set it and forget it. Then at least those target date funds are going to be reallocating throughout the years. Yeah. Take some risk off the table, you know, uh, as you get closer to retirement. So at least there's some, some form of active management inside there. Okay. Well, finally, when you let's look at the right moves and wrong moves kind of quickly on uh, when you yeah. reach the age of 72 years young and you have to do the, <laughs> <laughs> the required minimum distributions. So, yeah, so RM, so RMDs, required minimum distributions. Now at age 72, you're required to make a distribution from your pre-tax accounts. Right. So Roth IRAs, you do not have any RMD. So um, the, the government does not force you to pull any money out of your IRA, your Roth IRA, uh, unless you inherited it. Right. And then mm-hmm. you have the required minimum, distribution, required minimum distribution. A traditional IRA at 72, you have to make those distributions and you have to make it every single year until the account's exhausted or you pass away. Right. So, uh, one thing you want to consider is, you know, how is this going to impact me tax wise? Right. Mm-hmm. Because remember you took the deductions on the front end. So now these distributions, you will be paying income tax on them. Right. And so you do a good job investing. You've been deferring it for so long. You had great market returns. You know, your required minimum, required minimum distributions could be 25, 30, maybe even 40 grand, 50 grand a year. Right. Yeah. Well, that's income. Then you tack on, you know, maybe you have a pension if you're fun, if you're lucky enough to have a pension. Mm-hmm. Then maybe you have uh, social security, right? And all of a sudden, you could be at a very high tax bracket, or a tax, uh, yeah, you could be at a high tax bracket. Absolutely, which could cause your social security to be taxed, which could cause your Medicare Part B premiums to increase. So you want to be very strategic when it comes to your RMDs. So seventy-two is the year or the age you have to make those distributions. But some planning is, do I, maybe do I make some distributions beforehand, right? To start lowering yeah. uh, my required at that point. Same percentage, um, but out of a lesser amount because you've done same, it. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Same percentage, sense. but at a lower amount. Yeah. Doing some Roth conversions, right? Um, you know, if you're retired at 62, now you have a 10-year window before you have to make uh, those required minimum distributions. Mm-hmm. So if during that 10-year window, maybe it is an advantageous or an ideal time because of your tax bracket. Remember, it's all about taxes. Maybe at that point, we start making some conversions or distributions at that point to, you know, to, to, to lower uh, the required minimum distributions. So good strategies you, there. Again, you help your clients with that. Yeah. Those distributions, again, those required, min, min, required minimum distributions. Uh, wow, that's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> you just have to take them out. The government doesn't tell you what to do with it. Right. Yeah, you just so got to take it out. You just got to take it out. So now at this point, you know, you can reinvest it, right? Um, you can um, save it. Obviously, you don't have to spend it. Uh, you can do a lot of you, so. You know, give it to charity, and that helps you, you on the give, taxes, too. You can give it to charity, right? That's another thing. Uh, you can give your RMD to charity up, up to $100,000. 
and that helps you with taxes, right? Because now you can reduce your income because now, like, so if you had a $50,000 RMD one year, well, instead of taking it, you know, uh, as income, well, you make a donation to, you know, your church or your place of worship or your mm-hmm. school, your alma mater. And then now that $50,000 is a, it's, it's not counted as income for you. You've required, you've satisfied your RMD and now this, this uh, organization is getting some tax-free income. On you got to give to charity anyway. Why not? Because you, as you said earlier, it helps you on how how much your Social Security is subject to taxation, and it can be up right. to 85%, your Medicare premiums. Hey, wanted to make sure we were had a complete podcast here on IRA. You touched on this if you make too much, um, but then there's the backdoor Roth, right? Because you can make too much to contribute to Roth, right? Yeah. There's a certain income ceiling on that. But then backdoor Roth. You still can, yes. in other words. And it's legit. It sounds seedy, backdoor, <laughs> like the old speakeasies. Uh, you know, where yeah, they so give they get- the code, the, uh, <laughs> the blackbird sings at night. Yeah, come on in. Like you need come like a secret in. handshake or a secret <laughs> knock to get in. The uh, back what's the password? Roth. What's heading into the back door? Yeah. <laughs> you uh, know on the speakeasies yeah. where they'd slide that little piece on the door so they could see you? They didn't think about putting a peephole in it. But <laughs> so backdoor Roth is legit, right? It's legit. It's yeah. legit. A backdoor Roth is how you can get into a Roth if you make too much money. Now, it's, it's a... It'd be very complicated. Not complicated. You have to be very strategic on how you on how you get into a backdoor Roth. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, what it is is how you do it is you can you uh, contribute to the IRA, right? You don't make the deductions, but then you just go ahead and immediately immediately convert it or change it into a Roth. Okay, you do right? it through a conversion. So you, wait a minute. Is yeah, that you right? basically do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, you basically do it as a, a conversion. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so you contribute, but you don't make the deduction. So you don't take the deduction that year. Why Why? Why do human beings make things so complicated? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a little pond uh, out back. It's really a retention pond, but I love it because it attracts deer and turtles. And I have so many things to look at, the frogs at night, but there's a heron. And he's just there constantly. And I think he's eating okay. the frogs. I'm thinking, I don't think it's fish in it. And I'm thinking just how simple that life is. You know, if you're a heron, you basically wake up in the morning and really all you're doing all day is looking for something to eat. That's it. That's you're not bad. hanging out by the pond. Why do it's like we my have. my dog and my cats. <laughs> right. Why do we have to make things so complicated? <laughs> it's like we just have to make it complicated. I just think it, things could be simpler. I know. I know. I think the company like me after after understand all these rules, right? Well, that's it. Well, thank goodness for you. Thank goodness. Please keep on keeping up with that. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, it's great that you, you do that for your clients, but you do it on this podcast every week. So thank you, Mo Param. Oh, no, no. I thank you for thank you for always hosting. And, you know, again, a lot, there's a lot. I mean, uh, there's just so much information that is out there that you know sometimes it can be a little confusing on where to start where to even look how does it, how does this uh, apply to me what's where should i start first and so you know that's why the podcast is here right Just, yeah exactly you know there's what 60 almost 70 episodes you we're know, you over seven yeah. we're over seven you're yeah. right so go back 
look at a topic, see how it applies, and uh, obviously reach out to us if you have any questions at all. Do that, and cloudbusters.com is how you can reach out, learn more about this fiduciary firm, and do rate and share and subscribe everything. Stay with us on Mo's going to continue to educate, and we have a lot of fun with it, too. So thanks for joining us on this podcast, Your Finances Untangled. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. New episodes of Your Finances Untangled are available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Mo Param nor his guests are liable for the usage of information discussed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.